The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. much. I invite your attention this morning to First uh, John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. Uh, we are in a series over the next uh, couple months in the book of First John as we go back to the basics of our faith. Back to the basics has been our theme all this year. And so uh, it's just one of those things that we'll be, we'll be tackling. Uh, if you're visiting with us and you didn't bring a Bible with you, there is a Bible in your pew. We're on page 1021, uh, 1021. Uh, you're welcome to use that, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, please feel free to take that as a uh, gift from us to you. Uh, if you need a Bible, uh, we will never say you can't have a Bible, right? So please take it if you need one. We'd be glad to have you take that with us. Um, you know, this is a very interesting topic we're entering with First John, and First uh, John, as you may recall, was a book written to people to find out, as the slide says up there, how do you know if you're Christian or not? That's what it's all about. And so back to the basics, many of you over the months, uh, I've had some of you come up this week and say, why are we studying this book? How is this going back to the basics? Well, this book is so important because many of us struggle, whether we have been a Christian for years or not, with the question, how do I know that 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 I know, that's a lot of no's, that I'm a Christian? That's an important question. Because if you were to pass away, as in, and you will someday, by the way, uh, doctors say that 10 out of 10 people actually do die. Did you know that? But only 9 out of 10 recommend that you floss every day or something like that. But you will die someday. I will die someday. We all will. That's not a fact of life you don't know already. But do you know Christ? Do you really know Christ? And what assurance do you have that you know Him? Well, one way we have to come to that topic is by the topic of sin. And this is not a topic that is very popular today. In fact, most people don't want to think about sin, they don't want to talk about sin, and they definitely don't want to pray or really reconcile their sin. And one interesting article I found, it's been a few years ago, but it was about the International Agape International Spiritual Center with Pastor Michael Beckwith. He had this to say, it's a church, a church if you will, out in uh, Los Angeles, and this is what he had to say about sin. He said, we combine new thought with ancient wisdom. We don't believe you are born into sin. In fact, and this is not on the quote, but in fact, he goes on to say in the article, we don't believe that there is any sin at all. All you need in your life is to seek your own salvation. We call that self-elevation. Whoa. <laughs> uh, so much for claiming the name church, right? What happened to that guy? You know, where did sin go? Many of you who are of the older generations know that sin used to be something that if you said the word sin, that was like, wow, if your parents said you sinned, that's like saying your middle name. You remember that? That's bad. It's not good. But it's all but disappeared, and it's, it's at a point in our lives where now we just call it mistakes, or, oh, it's okay, you just you messed up a little bit, or whatever it is. But it's almost disappeared. I'm grateful that Proverbs 4.19 is very clear, though, about sin in the Old Testament. It says this. It says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know at what, not at what they stumble. 
Whether you acknowledge it or not, sin is a real, real thing in this world. You know, it's very interesting. I was looking back over the, the presidential prayers this last week, and many of you know Harry Truman started the National Day of Prayer back in 1952. That's hard to believe. 53, or oh, wow, longer than that, 60, 64 years ago. Is that right, math-wise? Somewhere in there? And so it's interesting that on the very first National Day of Prayer, the, the one-year anniversary, President Eisenhower used the word sin. And he did that as a way to express what Abraham Lincoln expressed back in 1863 um, at the Civil War, uh, at the start of the Civil War. But it's also interesting, friends, that since that time, no standing president, I'm talking Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Bush, Clinton, Obama, whoever else comes in later on, we don't know. But through these years, no standing president since that time in any prayer has mentioned the word sin in a prayer. Isn't that interesting? We've used other words, pride, self-righteousness, shortcomings, but can you imagine a president today standing up, beating his breast and saying, Lord, have mercy on us, sinners. We would look at that and say, that's something out of Hollywood. It really is, because sin has gone by the wayside. So what's the problem? Don't people sin anymore? Do they? I don't know. I, maybe you don't. I do. But doesn't anyone believe in sin anymore? It seems like everywhere you go, it's all over the place gone. And that's why the big idea today is very straightforward. As we continue through the book of 1 John, we need to be reminded today that there is more astounding grace in Christ than there is absurd sin in you and me. And aren't you grateful for that? Because if you are a Christian, that is what your anchor holds to. Because whether you acknowledge sin as self-elevation or whether your leaders don't talk about sin, they use some other word that doesn't quite capture the image of it or the meaning of it, the fact of the matter is we all sin, and we all fall short of the glory of God. But aren't you grateful that there is more grace in Christ than sin in you? So here's where we end up today. Last week we looked at uh, some questions that had to be answered from the first four verses, and we continue these tests of the faith that John calls them. And the question today, the sermon title today is, Can I know God and keep sinning? Can I know God and keep sinning? And you're going to look at this, and Amy's going to throw this up on the screen, and you're going to say, boy, I wish I would have brought my lunch today. Seven-point sermon. Please hear this clearly. These are short little pithy things that I want you to go through. These are seven little tests that John puts forward to you to know whether you truly take sin seriously like the Bible says, or your sin is nothing more than just a byword in everything else that you do. How do you know if you're a Christian? You can't reject these things. You can't reject who God is. You can't reject the cost of sin. You can't reject that Christ is a solution in himself. You can't reject how bad you really are. You can't not confess your sin if you're a Christian. You can't reject the truth of Scripture. And finally, you can't reject the price of the gospel. Friends, this is a seven test. These are seven tests in seven verses. Man, told you what the purpose is, right? The purpose is to find out if you know that you know that you know that you know. Well, here's seven more for you brief points. But I want you to know out of this that for John, sin is a severe thing. It's a seriously severe thing. And he also knows that our Savior is a necessary thing, that God in Christ is all that we need. So how is it that we can avoid some of these errors? Because in these verses, there's going to be six if clauses, if this, if this, if this. And there's going to be some others that say, if we say, if we say, if we say. 
to think correctly about Jesus, what John's going to tell us, we have to think correctly about sin. And how can we avoid those errors that we've already talked about from the highest office to a church out in L.A. and anything in between that? That's what we're going to talk about today. Did you pack your lunch? Amen. Let's stand up. Let's read God's Word together. If you're able to this morning, uh, stand with us, and we will read seven verses, seven, eight verses from 1 John chapter five, chapter 1, verses 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. God's Word says this. This is the message we've heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have no fellowship with Him, While we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise God for that. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is our propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This country needs more than anything is the gospel. And I pray today that as we look at the, the bad news that leads to the good news, as we reel as a country that you are encouraged, if you're a Christian, that this is the greatest truth that we have that we have and will ever have. Let's bow as we pray, will you? Father, thank you so much for this morning. I know we have a lot of points to cover shortly, Lord. Pray for wisdom in each. And Father, we are continuing to pray. If there's any among us who proclaim Christ, but Father, fail these tests, truly fail these tests in their lives, that they would examine by your Spirit's grace to see the need for a Savior. Father, for those Christians struggling this morning with knowing whether they're a Christian, may you reassure them today. For those who know, Father, may they continue by your grace to walk in a way that pleases you, as we just heard several times in those verses. Father, give us wisdom. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. So can you know God and not sin or keep on sinning? That's the question that's going to frame everything that we do here. And so the first thing I want you to see there in verse 5 is, can you know God and keep sinning? We, first off, you can't reject who God is if you claim to be a Christian. You can't deny who he is. Notice the first thing, the first foundational truth that John goes to here is the character of God. That's why when we started our Back to the Basics study, we went right for who God is. Because as we said many times in the last several months, if you miss who God is, you miss everything else. And John begins at an excellent place, given the nature of these false teachers who are saying all sorts of wrong things about Christ, that he's going to proclaim who Christ is and who God is. First, notice there in verse 5, he proclaims God as light. This is a message we've heard from you and proclaim that God is light. And that word heard there, it's the same word we looked at last week. That word heard means that this is not something that he heard third hand or second hand. This is something he literally, John, was there to hear. That he heard it from Jesus himself and now declares it to you that God is light. John 12, 46, I've come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world and in him God made himself known through Christ. God is light, and there's no darkness at all. 
Let's just start with that first application point up on the screen. Friends, there's nothing in God to make us weary or defensive or cautious. That's what our darkness does. Friend, if you are afraid, if you're a Christian, you're afraid, I have so much sin, I don't know what to do with it. God's going to be so angry. Look, God does take sin seriously, right? But he's also a just and merciful God. Go to him, seek him, follow him. Because when it comes to who God is, there's no darkness in him at all. Isn't that why we're scared to go to him? It's almost like when you turn on the switch, like we've done lately, and we see those uh, silver fish or whatever they call those little fish that run around everywhere. They're not really fish. Matt, Matt can kill them for you, pest control guy. But you know what I'm talking about. You turn on the light, everything scatters. But friend, when you come to God and you bear your soul to him, you don't have to be wary, defensive, or cautious. God will forgive, but that is your darkness telling you not to go that way. He says, look, if, if you are a Christian truly, then you can't deny that he is the light. What does that word light mean, really? Well, it means more than just being pure or good. It literally means that God is the source of all life. God is the source of all life. That is a good thing for us. John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 8, 12, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have life eternal. Aren't you glad to know that if you are a Christian, though you at times will sin, and you will, that God as light still takes you back into his fold? There are many people in our world that will never do that to their children that have been wayward, that have done some terrible things. But us as wayward children, God will take back. And what Jesus says, what John says about Jesus is that life is found only in him. If you deny that God can take any sinner at any place, any time, then you have forgotten who God is. Don't give up on the worst offenders in this world. Here's a radical prayer for you. Pray for death row inmates, those who've literally taken life to come to know Jesus Christ. That may not seem all that sudden, maybe, but pray for the most vile person you can think of in this world and pray that they come to know Jesus Christ. Is God's gospel too short for them? Is his arm not stretched out enough? Not at all. But what we know is that if you are a Christian, you cannot deny who God is. You can't say, well, God is, he, he's got some good stuff going, but he flickers every now and then. Ooh, that's scary. You know, the Olympics are coming up in about a month. Is it about a month or so? I don't know if you're going to Brazil. Be careful. It sounds pretty dangerous down there right now. But you know, one thing, they'll light that Olympic torch, and it goes, and it goes for, what, two, three weeks, I think it is, and eventually it snuffs itself out. Friends, God's light will shine in dark places no matter what, wherever, whenever, because he is that awesome light. But if you say you are in him, you have to remember there's no darkness in him at all. No darkness in him at all. That's the first point. Can you know God and keep sinning? Do you know who God is? There's no darkness at all. Do you believe that as a Christian? Can you know God and keep sinning? Look at the second thing. You can't deny sin's cost. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This is the first of those sayings, if we say. It's almost like when the kids come up to you and they say, Mom, if I do this, will I get in trouble? So you're already thinking about how to get in trouble. You're looking for the blessing, right? You know how this goes. Someone comes up to you, you know, and it's always dangerous. People come up, 
Pastor, what do you think about this issue? And the question always behind the question is, what do you really want this information for? You ever thought about that before? And it's not always bad, but sometimes you wonder. And, and, and this is one of those statements. This false teachers were coming, and they were saying, if you are walking in darkness, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's not that bad. God's not perfectly holy. Don't worry about it. And John says, no. He says, absolutely not. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him, if we say we have fellowship, friends, what he is saying, look, if you are saying you have eternal life in Jesus Christ, but you continually, continually make a practice of walking in the darkness, be very, very careful. You're going to hear this a lot in 1 John. But he is saying, look, if you say you know Jesus and you got the... Some of you guys remember these shirts, the Lord's Gym t-shirts from like 20 years ago, where it had like a guy lifting weights for God. You got all the Christian t-shirts, you got all the things, but you continually walk in darkness with no repentance, with no heavy heart, with no weight of sin. He says, be very careful. He says, if we say we have fellowship, eternal life with him, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. The application point up there is very true. If you regularly confess your sin rather than defend your own goodness, you know that transforming grace has visited you. Do you see that difference? Because isn't it true that often when we get caught doing whatever it is and we get wrong, we often try and justify it. Well, honey, I didn't know if I blew the soot out the wrong way, it would cover our whole house. Oops. Friends, that's how it is sometimes. But if you know Christ, if you regularly confess your sin, rather than try and justify yourself, excuse yourself, well, but if this person wouldn't have done that to me, I would be okay, then that is a great sign that you know Jesus Christ. Because a Christian, if we confess our sin, he will, God will cover it with his forgiveness. But if we hide it, God will uncover it eventually. When you sin, confess, but don't beat yourself up in needless penance for what has been completely forgiven of you in Christ. Look, can you know God and keep sinning? The answer is yes, but do you see that difference? The difference is you don't make a practice of it. No fellowship with Jesus is no fellowship with God. And if you have no desire, if you have no heavy heart, as Psalm 51, as Matt read, that is a great warning sign to you that you may not know Jesus Christ. He says, walk. He says, don't live a lie concerning fellowship with God. This word walk is a present tense. It means he's doing it. The person isn't just saying, I know Christ. He's actually walking in darkness all the time and saying it at the same time. I know Jesus. It doesn't bother me that I sin all the time. Who's Jesus? I got a flu shot a while back about that Jesus guy. Be very careful because if you are truly a Christian, the way you handle your sin will show whether you really know God or not. Let's move on to the next one. So can you be a Christian? Actually, there's a good quote coming out. I forgot about this. Charles Spurgeon, that great dead Baptist guy. Have you got that name down yet? Charles Spurgeon, read him. There's worse people you could read in a good way. But sin may enter the heart of a Christian and fight for dominion, but it can't sit on the throne. Friends, that's what it's all about. How do you know you're a Christian? It's the way you handle and process your sin. Denying the Savior, denying sin only proves that we are liars to ourselves and ultimately to God. Can you be God? Can you, can you be God? You can't. Can you know God and keep sinning? 
You can't reject who God is. You can't reject sin's cost. And thirdly, you can't reject Christ's solution in himself. Look at verse 7. He says, but if we walk in the light, remember God is light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' the Son cleanses us from all sin. Friends, verse 7 is a positive to the negative in verse 6. Look, when God seems far away, He might, in fact, be as near as our own greater honesty. Now, how many of you have ever been in that time where you felt like your prayers, if you will, have hit the ceiling? Have you heard that phrase before, like you're praying, God, God, please forgive me? And it feels like they just bounce off the ceiling and rebound back and rebound back. Friends, look, God hears all prayers at all times. He's omniscient. But one thing with your relationship with Christ is this. When God seems far away, he might be, in fact, as near as your greater honesty with him. Christian, when is the last time you sat down and you bared your soul to the Lord? Please hear me. I'm not saying, and let me reiterate this, I'm not saying you go to a priest. Please do not go to a priest to confess your sin. That is antithetical to anything the Bible says. You do not go through the Pope. You don't go through a priest. You go through Jesus Christ, as was so well said by Blake. There is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Friends, don't say anything otherwise. If you come to me with your sin, I'm going to encourage you to go to the Savior, to go to those who you hurt. And confess, that word confess means that we literally, that we literally agree with God that we have done the wrong, that we know that we have did, we have done. But don't deny the blood of Jesus' cure. What a great verse this is. He says, Jesus provides communion for the saints. He says, look, walk in the light means you walk where God is. It means you walk in eternal life. You have fellowship with him. And here's the fellowship. Here's how you have fellowship, Christian. It's by the blood of Christ. It is not by a church. It's not by money. It is not by anything but Jesus Christ and Him alone. Friends, that is going to be challenged in our day. That is already being challenged in our day. Can you know God and keep on sinning? Look, how do you know that you're a Christian? We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. That's how you know. Because even brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister, we're going to mess up. We're going to irk each other. We're going to sin deeply against each other. And the evidence that we are Christian is how we handle that. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we will have broken fellowship at times. But when we seek through Christ to be forgiven and then restored to that brother or that sister or that family, that is a positive of knowing who Jesus is. But isn't it great to know that Christ provides a continual cleaning for all of our sin? I would love, if you could invent, moms or dads, you, you smart people, I would love if you could invent something that would clean our house one time, all the time, one time. All the dust gone, all the soot that we're still finding gone, all that. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be amazing? How many of y'all love to dust? Please do not raise your hand. <laughs> if Please come to our house. But you know what? We don't want that. We want the cleansing. What is the cleansing? It doesn't say he cleanses us from 88.5% of our sin. It's not 97.3% of our sin. It is not 91.9% of our sin. It is Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sin. If you are an underliner, underline that word all, because you will need to be reminded of that from time to time. That is the great God that we have, the great, great God that we have. Can I know God and keep sinning? You can't reject who God is. You've got to remember sin's cost. Is that real in your life? And number three, you have to remember, you have to remember that Christ is the solution in himself. Number four, let's move on. 
Uh, Amy, you can skip that next slide. That's fine for sake of time. You have to remember and not reject, Christian, if you are a Christian, how bad we really are. I put the plural, but really it's how bad I am, how bad you are before God. Look at verse 8. Notice he's contrasting. He goes from verse 6, the negative, to verse 7, the positive. And verse 8, we're back to the if we say. These are what people are saying back in John's time. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Friends, as long as we think we're not that bad, the idea of grace will never change us. You want to know how bad off we are? Think for a moment what God had to do in Jesus Christ. Think about we don't just do bad things. We are bad people, and we will never effectively attack our sin until we figure that out. The question is not, am I worse than the guy next to me or the lady next to me? Or, you know, I'm just going to tell the story that I was driving home. I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday from, uh, it was Wednesday as I was coming back for the evening in Liberty, going home, and there's this motorcyclist that just came out of nowhere, 291, 152, going on 291 South and that little merge there, uh, and he just zooms. I mean, I could see him like, mirror, zoom, go by. And he was just weaving in and out of traffic. And I, I got so mad, I called the cops. I did. I don't usually do that. I got so mad, I called, took a picture of him and everything else. And he was sitting at the Dunkin' Donuts there in Liberty. And I, they said, we can't do anything until he moves. And I was just thinking, man, get back on the road, buddy. The cops are coming. The cops are coming. And I just remember, I don't know, you know, I don't know the exact thing, but it was almost like the Lord saying, Darren, I'm glad that you want to be the police and you need to report things like that. I just remember that thought passing through my head. But what have you done today that has hurt someone else in a way that has not been what would be Christ-honoring? And you say, how do you get from there to there? Thank God for the Holy Spirit, amen? If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Friends, don't be, don't be deceived concerning this truth. If we say we have no sin, it's a claim of sinlessness. It's someone coming up to you and saying, boy, I, didn't, I haven't sinned in 20 years. Well, what did you do every year the world was lost? I don't know. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Don't be devoid of this truth, friends. To deny you're a sinner is to embrace that which is false, to accept a lie, and to walk in darkness. I, I don't know if you've ever met someone who has said that since they came to know Christ, they've never sinned once ever again. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I remember a homeless man down at a Vietnam Memorial Park off Broadway, just south of Westport, north of, uh, north of uh, uh, the plaza, talking with him. And, and, and he came up to me. I used to see him every Monday on the rounds when I used to do that. And he came up to me and said, Darren, I haven't sinned this week. I haven't sinned next week, haven't sinned this week. And finally, I just whipped out the verse. I'm like, look, dude, if, if you say you have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Well, well I'm better. And I remember him saying this very specifically. He said, Darren, I'm better than John because I've never sinned since I came to know Christ. We lie and do not practice the truth. Where do you go with that? Friends, if we can't find water in the sea, it's more foolish than a man who can't perceive his sin in his body. As a salt flavors every drop of the ocean, so sin affects every part of our nature. We have to remember that. Look, this doesn't mean you go home and, and just say, man, I'm a terrible person, terrible, terrible, terrible. You just remind yourself of that last verse, that Christ has covered all of your sin. Look, there should be times in your life where you should weep over your sin. We read that in Psalm 51, didn't we? 
God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I sinned so much. Through Christ, forgive me. But remember, if you have no desire to bear your soul to God about how depraved, wicked you are before Him, friend, can I encourage you today with the truth that that means you know not Christ. But if your sin affects you in a deep way like that, that is great encouragement to you that you know Jesus Christ. Let's move on. So what do you do with the sin? Look at verse 9. How many of you have memorized verse 9 before sometime in your life? A lot of hands go up. Very familiar verse. He goes on to say, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, He, that's God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So not only do we get to this place where we need to know how bad we are to whether we're a Christian We have to ask the question, am I confessing my sin? I've hit around it, but let's look at it specifically. Friends, there are sayers who say, oh, I mess up every now and then. But there are confessors who acknowledge it and admit it. He doesn't say if we conquer our sins. He says if we confess our sins. He says if we confess our sins, we will conquer in this Christian life. And let me just put a word out here again. And, you know, many of us are praying for revival in this nation. Let it be a good reminder to us Christians that revival can be loud and dramatic. God sometimes can swoop into a building, literally, by the Holy Spirit and change hearts within a minute. He can do that. But often, revival comes as we are quiet and simple, as all of us starting to confess our sins. It's awkward, isn't it? Sometimes when we go up to a brother or sister in church and say, you know what, I really have messed up this week. I don't know about you, but as a person, that puts me on edge because I'm thinking, oh no. They're thinking I'm less of a person than I really am. But let me tell you, if you've never had an opportunity to find someone in your life, someone really close to you who can be an accountability part, someone who you can trust and confess, uh, you know, look, I've messed up. Will you pray for me in this this week? There's nothing more freeing than to know that someone else is going through the exact same thing you are, with the exact same sin somewhere. I will not get into names or details. I'll just speak third party. But I found out another friend this week, a friend in the ministry, had been lying to his wife, to his family, for 20 years, 20 years as a pastor, about a secret sin of pornography that he had in his life. And multiple times people would come to him, how are you doing? I'm doing great. He played the pastor card. You know, God's grace saves me from all my sin. That's true, isn't it? But he hid it. Some of you may have deep, dark secrets you are afraid to tell because you are afraid of what people will think of you. Look, sin is not without consequence, right? But please know that when you have a sin, maybe you've held a grudge. I don't know. But friend, if there is a sin in your life today that you know you need to talk to someone about, specifically God first, and then write it with someone else, do it. What's the, what's the privilege? Because he says, confess your sins personally. It's, it's not we, it's not our, it's I. Confess my sins. Confess them continually. This word confess here is present tense. It's all the time. It's not, a, it's not a one and done, I got my Jesus enough when I came to know Jesus. It's constantly confessing our sin. Husband, do you confess your sin to your wife? Wife, do you confess your sin to your husband? Children, do you confess your sins to your parents? I've seen a lot of head shakes that say no, so we'll leave it there. 
But you see how open this is. But what is our confidence? Our confidence is that God is faithful. He's dependable. He's trustworthy to his word. Our confidence when we confess our sin is that he is just. He's righteous. What he does is he says he doesn't withhold forgiveness when we do wrong. What a great God that is. Look, Christian, you may go honestly, sincerely, contritely to another Christian and say, look, I have messed up. I've sinned against you. I gossiped about you. I Whatever will you forgive me? And that other person in the name of who claims Christ will say, I, I, I just can't handle that right now. Friend, I want you to know that before the throne of God, God is faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What are you confessing? Who are you trusting? There's that word all again. If you're an underliner or highlighter, a note taker, underline that. Friends, it's not just part of our sin. It's all of our sin. It's all of our unrighteousness. Not a drop goes that he does not forgive. So can you know God and keep on sinning? Look, if you're not regularly confessing your sins, check your heartbeat. Do you know Christ? Do you honestly know Christ? Number six, can I know God and keep sinning? You can't reject the truth of Scripture. Look at verse 10. Two more points, we'll be done. He says, if we say we have not sinned, that's the second time, we make who a liar? Him a liar, God a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the third, if we say, verse 6, we lie to others, verse 8, we lie to self, verse 10, we lie about God, but I want you to know that the mark of a mature Christian life is not sinlessness, but which is reserved for heaven, but a growing awareness of your sinfulness. Many of you say, man, I just, uh, Darren, I've hit a wall with my Christian life, what do I do? Is confession the truth of Scripture, a regular practice in your life. If it is, then that is a great mark that you are knowing Christ. Again, God says you're a sinner and you can't say I'm not. God says you need a Savior and you can't say I don't. It has to start somewhere. Friends, this is the exact truth of God's Word. It's a very short point. Go ahead and put up that next image, if you will, Amy. You know, one of the best things about being in summer and, and is I have completely flat feet. I don't know if anyone else have completely flat feet in here. When you try and run, it makes you look like a duck sometimes because you're just constantly, it's just weird. But, you know, one thing I love about summer is you can go barefoot. And many of you love barefoot feet, right? Barefoot feet. Some of you love to go barefoot. And some of you have developed feet that are so strong that you can step on a tack. And it's like, you walk, it's like for me, walking on coals, you're like, no big deal. But, you know, that's the cool thing about walking in the summer is that after a while, after the pains go away, what happens to your feet? They get tough, right? They get tough. You know, you get a little discomfort at first, but uh, really, at the end of the day, your heart gets a little bit stronger, or your feet get a little bit stronger. And friends, our hearts, in a, in a different way, are a little bit like that. As we walk through this Christian life, the longer we continue living a lie, deceiving other people, the more hardened our hearts become like our feet become after stepping on hot things as you walk through time. One lie leads to another. One wrong action leads to others. The one thing that once thrilled us no longer thrills us, so we try something else. All the while, our hearts become more calloused to who God is in Christ. Look, if you're here today and you say, Darren, I have not sinned that much. If you're not a Christian, can I say you have? The Bible says if you have sinned just one time, that was enough for Jesus to die for you. Scarcely would anyone die for a righteous man, but for, for us, God gave his life. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. 
look, if you're a Christian here today, I just, if I can beat this drum, do you go to God with your sin? I knew a, a pastor friend of mine who, uh, who was such a sensitive conscience that he went to the post office one day and he bought a stamp. And uh, I know we don't buy, st- how much is a stamp nowadays? 50, what are we up to, 52 cents? Whatever it is, it's been a while ago. But he, he bought a stamp and, you know, you tear off that little paper and, and uh, he was walking by, he put his, his uh, stamp on a letter, he walked out, he, and, and the trash, that little strip of paper, whatever it was, didn't quite hit the, the trash can, and it fell to the ground. No big deal, someone's going to pick it up. That pastor was so bothered by that that he, he actually thought about it for 10 minutes before he willed himself to go back to that post office, which the paper was still at on the floor, picked it up, and put it in the trash. Anyone else like that? So you feel like that when your husband doesn't pick up their room, right, or kids. That's how it is. Is your conscience spiritually that sensitive that even a false whatever, Lord, forgive me, for I have sinned. That is the truth of the word. Is your heart that sensitive? Is not, Lord, pray, change me that way. Can I know God and keep on sinning? You can't reject the fact that you must, you must, you must, you must stand on his word. Let's end with this. Last point, can I know God and keep on sinning? You can't reject, you can't reject the price of the gospel. Look at verse, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He goes on to say, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation. Man, if Simeon could say, if, our, if we have another kid, I want this to be the first word they say, propitiation propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Look, the price of the gospel is John is not interested in a Jesus we are comfortable with. John is not interested in a Jesus who is is cultural. John is interested in a Jesus who is both our advocate and our atonement. Look at verse 1. It says Jesus is our advocate. He says, my little children. You know, I looked up some liberal commentaries this week just to get a feel for what they're saying about this verse. And someone, someone goes, man, John must have had hundreds of kids. Where did you get that? This, no, it's a term of endearment. It's fatherly concern. It's used seven times. It, he says, my little children, I am writing these things. Notice it's not the we anymore. It's John's pastoral heart going to the heart of the issue. He speaks as a pastor to his people. What things is he writing about? All the last six points. You've been keeping records. What's he writing? That they may not sin. Not that they can be sinless, but they would be sinless. Not sinless. Not perfect. That won't happen this side of heaven. But they would sin less in their lives. Friends, let's be honest. We cannot avoid the presence of sin in this life. Many people in church history, I, one story I love, and, and Blake, I'm going to miss pointing to you because you know this stuff like it's the back of your hand. But there's one thing that happened in church history. They built like one of those towers, and somehow the, the, no, or the, the, the monk got up on that tower, and he just like lived up on this tower because he felt that if he couldn't be around people and he couldn't see anyone out in the desert, well, maybe I'm not going to sin. That's scary because sometimes the darkest place you can be is when you're by yourself. Would you agree with that? Friends, I don't care where you go. I don't care if you're in the church. Some of you have thought uh, crazy thoughts even this morning, right? It doesn't matter where you go. But if anyone sins, may, if anyone sins, the implication is we will sin. No matter if you're a gnome, a gnome, 
a dwarf, a hobbit, whatever you are up on that platform, you have an advocate. The word here is paraclete. It's a face-to-face relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the only word used, advocate. It's the same word used for the Holy Spirit in John 15. It's used five times, four in the New Testament and one of Jesus. It means a face-to-face relationship with the Father. If you sin, not if you sin, when you sin, you have a helper, one who's called to help you. You have one that has one sin once and for all. You have someone who didn't just try hard enough and fail. Oops, I tried to die for you. You have one who died perfectly, perfectively. You did everything, substitutionarily, if you want to use the big word. He's the cleanser of our sin. He's the forgiver of our sin. He's the helper when we sin. Jesus is the only advocate before God, and he's never lost a case. I love those commercials on TV. They have these great lawyer commercials, and then they have that little phrase, don't base your choice of a lawyer based on advertising alone. That's right, because you're going to lose a case every now and then, buddy, and I want to come and sue you when you say you would win it when you didn't. Right? But Jesus has never lost a case, guys. When Satan stands up and says, Darren Smith deserves hell, Jesus steps in and says, but I died for him. I love him. Not because of him, but because of my righteousness and my glory. Jesus is our advocate. What an advocate that is. If you have sinned here today, Christian, what confidence you have to go to him today. And secondly, he is our atonement. Look at verse 2. It says, he is the propitiation for our sins. Literally in the Greek, he himself. It's like saying, or I, Darren. That's weird, isn't it? I, Darren, go to the store. I, Darren, do this. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. What does that big word mean? This word is used a few times in the New Testament, and it literally means, Starla, I love that you put this quote up because I'm going to say it again on Facebook. Christ became like that sham wow in the sense that he took every spark of our sin, and there wasn't any drop left that wasn't soaked up by his blood. It means when he was on the cross, when we deserved hell, Christ took our place. We sang about it in Christ alone. He bore our wrath. He bore every ounce of God's wrath on his behalf. He's our atonement. Please do not buy what the PC, the Presbyterian Churches of USA, the liberal Presbyterians tell you that we should take that phrase out of in Christ alone. Friends, if you lose the wrath of God, you lose the love of God. His provision is universal. Notice what it says. It says, He is our propitiation for our sins. Not just one sin, all of our sins. And not just for ours only. Guess what? This gospel isn't just something you hide under a bushel. It is something that you take for the sins of the whole world. Now, we do not have time to chase this theological rabbit. But I want you to know that His provision is universal for the whole world. It means He died for the whole world. But the application is limited for those who acknowledge their need for a Savior. As Baptists, we believe that God knows those who will be saved. That's scriptural. If He didn't, well, I guess He's not God, right? He knows those who will be saved. But at the same time, We are to go out to every single person and share the gospel across the board. But at the end of the day, God knows those who will be saved. So does that mean that we do like some Baptists did in the back late 1700s called hyper-Calvinists? They used to say, they used to say, we're part of the frozen chosen. Sounds like something at like Dairy Queen, right? 
we're the frozen chosen. God saved me, so God's going to save whoever he wants to save. So we're just going to sit right here, sing, and do whatever we do. Friends, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that that wasn't the attitude of every Christian across the land, aren't you? Because God told the gospel to someone who shared it with you, and now you get to share it with others. Look, we believe that the scripture highly affirms that God is sovereign in salvation. You can split hairs over what that means theologically, but generally we believe that. And what that means is, is that every single person who comes to Jesus comes and must acknowledge him as Savior, as the only atonement. That's it. No more. If you're here today and you say, Darren, I'm just not sure. I mean, I mean, there's really sincere people out there, and you know, there's good people all across. I mean, wouldn't you just believe that if they're just good enough and try hard enough, if you claim the name of Christ and you don't believe Jesus is the only way to heaven, check yourself at the door. Because that is the truth of the scriptures. And aren't you grateful that you are on the only team that gets to heaven? Amen? That is the truth. I pray as we end this. I know this is not a usual sermon. This is like two sermons in one, really. And I'm sorry for that. But I want you to know if you're here today, there is more astounding grace in Christ than there is sin in you. You are not beyond hope, Christian. You are not beyond hope, non-Christian. Go to him. Seek him. He is lovely. Let's pray.